Hello and thank you for coming back for another episode of Men in Product, the podcast. I am so excited to share this episode with you. Um, this time I've been speaking with Anna Karova, who is the CEO of Field, which is an inclusive dating app for all gender identities, all sexual identities, whether you're a couple or a single. And it is the first and absolute best of its kind. Um, so yeah, just really, really close to my heart um, and something that I'm really, really proud to be sharing with you. Um, so yeah, without further ado, um, let's kick on with the episode. So I'm Anna Kirova. I'm CEO of Field, um, the probably most inclusive dating app in the world. Um, I would agree. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I've been with the company for about four, five years now. Yeah. I started just a year after I was founded. It all started after my personal story with um, Demo, my partner, who is the founder of the company. Mm-hmm. And... Um, did you guys meet on a dating app? No, no, we didn't. <laughs> we met through a friend in oh, London. Okay. okay, nice, nice, nice. Sorry, I had to ask. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's a good question. Yeah, we met, we met through a friend and um, we got together very, very quickly after meeting. And um, a few months after we got together, we started discussing an open relationship because I had a crush for a woman. Nice. And I was very confused. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I spoke to him about it. I wrote him a letter. I never intended to send it um, because I was terrified that he would just leave me. But I was really yeah. in love with him, um, still am. And I thought um, he should know, you know? Yeah, of course. And I thought if he knows that, he would consider that my sexuality is under question or something. Yeah. And it would, leave, it would lead to us just separating. Yeah, but, I get it. Um, he was super open to it and we started talking about it. We, we discovered the, the world of non-monogamy, mm-hmm. ethical non-monogamy. And we were like, he was really surprised there's nothing out there for it. Um, we yeah. met quite a few people who had tried to date openly and they struggled with it a lot. Yeah, And that's when he started Field and I joined the company uh, like just a year or under a year after. Yeah. Um, yeah, I moved to work on the product really two years after I joined Field when mm-hmm. we started actually having a thing like a product team. Because yeah. in the start, you know, you have like five people doing a bit of everything. <laughs> yeah. And I was um, appointed CPO, Chief Product Officer, last mm-hmm. year. And then Demo stepped down from the um, CEO role this year and um, I was appointed. Amazing. So now it's your baby. Yes. Pretty well, much. I- I suppose it was always your baby. I think like what I love most about Field is that it came from a need where a community of people were just not being represented at all in the dating apps world because no one knows about ethical non-monogamy. No one knows about open relationships. Like even when you, the only reason you would ever really have had those conversations is if you have a friend that does it or if, you know, you've had those experiences yourself. And I think that's what makes the app so lovely and such a well it's it's such a success because it caters to people that are not being catered to so well done you guys for sure (laughs) can you talk me through the process of taking over the ceo like how did you manage that like did you were you talking about it a lot over dinner like did you have to separate home from work like how how did you manage that process yeah that's a more that's a really good question um yeah i think we've always had this thing with demo where 
we are able to separate work, our work relationship from our personal relationship. Yeah. I've always told them that to me, our personal relationship is more important. So we like, this has been very, for me, it's been very helpful. So I know how to prioritize, say our, let's say we have a professional conflict. Yeah. I wouldn't let it impact how I feel for Dimo because on a personal level, we're fine. Yeah. I've had a lot of experiences throughout the years where we would fight, you know, at work about something and then just sit together and watch TV and everything's fine on a personal level. And, um, or like one of us would say, okay, let's, let's stop, let's stop here and take it tomorrow. And then we'd continue our life as a couple, um, so I suppose with the CEO role, what was a little different was the uh, just the really big shoes I had to fill. Yeah. He's a founder and he has uh, always had a very innovative um, view of the mm. world. Uh, very innovative, very um, different view of the world. And he knows how to drive innovation. He knows how to... Um, uncover opportunities in any context and I always wondered whether I mean when he first told me he just kind of said it in passing Mm. and it was uh, it took me by surprise Um, but I had to consider it because in my in my career or in my personal growth as well one thing I've learned is that when you think that you're not good enough to do something instead of just saying no to it, you have to, you have to try and you have to find out why you think you're not good at it. And why would someone else be good at it? Mm -hmm. What is the, what is the difference between you and whoever you think is more competent? Mm -hmm. And can you bridge that gap? Or is it really big, like too big? Maybe if he asked me a year ago, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have felt comfortable. Sure. I had the experience of being in an executive position. I had to make a lot of difficult decisions. Mm-hmm. I started my um, MBA program to try to be a better executive as a whole. So yeah. I had all of that backing. So um, it took a while to accept it, maybe a week. <laughs> think it over. Um, and the process itself was in, I guess, I felt very supported by the team. Yeah. This was one of the things that I had as a bit of a fear. I mm. I wondered if people would have confidence in someone like myself to be the uh, CEO of, their, of the company. Um, I wondered how people who were my peers yeah. yesterday, how they would feel now that they report to me. Yeah. Um, and, and how was it received? Was it received well? Did it? Did, yeah. 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 It was just, I mean we're a remote company so yeah. you track how people react with like emojis and uh, comments yeah. to announcements like this but everyone was so uh, um, so supportive and positive about it and people would message Demo to thank him for making this decision and um, for placing his faith in me and people would message me to um, say how excited they feel about it so it was wonderful, honestly. It just felt, I, I felt like I can do it. You know, yeah. if the team has my back, I can, I can do anything. You know, we can, we can achieve anything. 
So even if there might have been that doubt in your head at the beginning of like massive shoes to fill, once it was received by the team, that really gave you the to kind of run with it. That's amazing. I mean, look, we, we, in this vein, like a few of the other people I've spoken about have talked about imposter syndrome, especially being female, um, moving into positions of leadership. Um, but when I spoke to you, when we had our initial chat, you mentioned that it wasn't true for you like you didn't necessarily experience that imposter syndrome has it ever creeped in and if it has have you how have you combated it um talk me through that Mm. of course I've experienced it I've experienced it in the past I've um, experienced it in probably every job I've ever had and ironically I don't think I've experienced it in the CEO job right because everything you read about the CEO role you see that no one can tell you how to do it yeah. So every CEO position is different because mm-hmm. every company is different. So I think that's what maybe, I mean, I, I might get a bit philosophical. But <laughs> Good. Maybe this is what actually makes, like creates imposter syndrome. It, it is created by an idea of what an ideal version of you or an ideal worker or yeah. whatever person looks like. Because it doesn't really, it's not that obvious for a CEO. I mean, let's say, okay, let's imagine it's a, it's a man and they wear a suit and whatever, but it's not really like that anymore, is it? Because nah. you have the entire tech industry just like tore that apart. Um, and I think it's not been a problem for me uh, so far in this role, um, but I kind of feel like I overcame, overcame, overcame this yeah. um, in the last few years because I was just, um, I sat myself down a couple Good. of times when I've, when I've had moments of self-doubt and I would just go like, okay, what is this doubt going to give me? Let's say it's going to make me more attentive to mistakes I make. Okay, then this doubt can be useful. What else could I use this doubt for? Well, um, maybe I need to get better at something that um, I don't think I'm good enough in. And I list these things and I just, I just talk to myself. I reflect, where does this doubt come from? What can I use it for? And how can I make sure I never feel doubt in this context ever mm-hmm. again? And I feel it in something else. Mm-hmm. Because this is where, this is where, this is how I battle my weaknesses or not battle but how I work with them mm-hmm. try to acknowledge them and accept them and just turn them into something good into a force and into energy that I can utilize yeah so one of the things that I've done over the years was as soon as I feel I'm out of my debt which is most of the time I'm like <laughs> okay what can ground me what can make me feel better and I would take a course I would listen to podcasts, I would read articles, I would subscribe to journals, which I believe um, help me understand how to do my job better. Um, I would ask people for feedback, I would find mentors, coaches, you know, it's just every time you feel it, you have to be aware and notice it and use it and work with it. Take it as a friend. So this imposter syndrome, just take it hold it by the hand and be like, okay, where are you coming from? What do you want? How can we change this? Oh, that's such good. I mean, look, that's such good advice. Like, honestly, I think you couldn't have put it better. 
Um, and I think, yeah, it's really interesting and a, a like constructive approach to target where that where that doubt's coming from, and then either you know use it to upskill or or potentially kind of put it to one side or whatever it might be. But obviously, the the topic of this podcast is is women in product, right? So. Mm-hmm. And this imposter syndrome, I've spoken to a lot of people I've said come from them being female um, in industries that is largely dominated by men. Um, And that causes self-doubt in itself with regards to like facing (laughs) discrimination or self-doubt based on your gender in the industry. Is that something that you've experienced, would you say? Not just talking at fields, if we go back, because she started as a product manager as well. Mm. Yeah, I mean, probably. Yeah. not probably. Yes, I think I've experienced it. <laughs> yeah. But I've always, I don't know, it's just the way I approach life. I okay. always try to, instead of trying to fight the current that is society, Yeah. I try to see what can I do with this? Where's my room here? What, what room do I have? Yeah. Is there room for me or not? Yeah. yeah. So I worked in a company a few years ago where... The founder was, um, the founder and CEO, I believe, was um, quite, I don't want to say he was sexist, but the entire executive team was men and everyone in any power position was man, was a man. And my manager was a, actually a feminist. He was a man, but he yeah. was proudly a feminist. And yeah. He would support a lot of causes. He would support promotion for a lot of women. Yeah. So. Um, he, I worked there and I felt good with that person as yeah. my manager because I never felt like um, I'm discriminated against. Yeah. But when I asked, when I had to ask someone above him for um, a, a, a salary raise because I wanted to change my, really, I wanted to move into another like job over the years. Yeah. And um, he just said, well, no. And that's and I just left because yeah I was like I can't this is not good for me it's never it will never be good for me yeah um so I've I, I've also been in a job where I had a female so that it was a woman who was the CEO and the founder yeah but that was one of the most sexist environments I had ever been in yeah. So she worked really well with men and she only promoted men and there were just men close to her. So there would no there would be no opportunity for any woman to progress there unless she was her friend. Mm. So that's my experience at least. I only stayed there for like a month or two. <laughs> yeah, that one didn't um, last long. <laughs> yeah, but I but I went in that in that um I, I worked there with the I really wanted to work there because yeah. of her. Yeah. And when I joined that space, I was just so upset. And I was like, okay, so sexism doesn't really come from men, you know? It doesn't no. come from... It, it's it's just everywhere. And it's how you can work with it. There were women at that workplace who were perfectly happy with that. And they would look up to her and they would be like, I want to be like her one day. And I was like, okay, you're just not my hero. I don't want to be here. And... Yeah. You find what works for you. Yeah. Um, so I I think what I've tried to do is to not focus on my gender and to not focus on anything that society is telling me is holding me back. Yeah. Just don't do it. Don't go there unless, of course, everyone's different. Everyone has a different experience. 
I grew up in a family with a very powerful woman yes. and that helps me. You know, I have that intrinsic sense that I'm not going to excuse myself for my um, gender or my no. sexuality, you know. So that's been given to me and I'm privileged to have it. Um, but m I think my message is just work with what you got. You have yeah. it. <laughs> Don't try to change it or to... Um, I don't know, clip your wings to fit into some made up boxes, you know, they're just, they're human, they're man-made, they're human-made, you can yeah. change them anytime. I think it's like that thing, isn't it, whereby, from what I'm saying, is if there's been an environment where sexism has been an issue and there's nothing that you can do about it, but it's blocking you, you've left, yeah. you put yourself in a situation where it's not blocking you, <clears> and you don't make it the thing that defines your career, which I think is so is it it's admirable it's admirable i think obviously founding a company or or being ceo at a company like field where inclusion is everything like what are you doing to foster that environment in the company itself and and actually do you think it just comes naturally by virtue of what you guys do mm. so i'll be very honest um, <laughs> i've always thought it comes natural yeah by what we do it doesn't now, a lot of that comes natural for sure, but because of the wider context we exist in where men are still considered more competent than women, where people of color are still discriminated against, yeah. where the LGBTQ community is constantly facing numerous stupid prejudices <laughs> this, yeah, uh, yeah. against them, you can't, you can't just assume that because in my bubble, I am different. The bubble <laughs> is going to be different and everything is going to be different. Yeah. So I actually think it's very dangerous to have such an assumption because yeah. that's what, that's where, like that, those biases could be even worse than the standard biases. Mm. How um, do you mean? Explain, explain that in a bit more detail. How do you mean? So I think that um, I don't know if it's a, if the if the word bias here is the best word, but the assumption that because yeah. I'm very open and I'm very inclusive as an individual and I'm a leader in the company and let's say Demo is the same, because of that, all of our decisions are right, are inclusive, and are good. Yeah, you can't assume that because there will be blind spots simply because of the limitation of one or two people's personal experiences yeah um what however inclusive i am i'm white so yeah. i can't i can't know anything beyond my personal experience yeah i'm also in a pretty heteronormative relationship yeah regardless of how we call it it's it's still there i i'm um i'm with a man i'm a yeah. woman i'm with a man i'm a cis woman yeah. so all of those things, you can't assume that just because you are um, inclusive in terms of how you approach life and individuals that you won't make mistakes. So um, there, was a, there was an experience very early in my career when um, I really wanted to, this was before we introduced the 20 plus gender identities in the app. Mm. Um, we only had three before that. It was male, female, and uh, trans. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I want us to be an inclusive space, so let's rename trans to beyond, so that people are beyond gender. 
And I thought it's a great idea. This was like five years ago. So yeah, <laughs> like, I'm going to say something embarrassing. No. Um, <laughs> and we shipped it. I didn't talk to any users. I was just like, yeah, this is it. And I received a long message from a trans customer who um, it was just heartbreaking to read. What they said was um, they felt erased because they were really proud of their trans um, identity and they wanted to celebrate it. And by me removing that and calling it beyond meant that they don't have, like everyone who's not a man or a woman is nothing. Mm. And when, when they said that, I was just shocked. And that's when I was like, okay, there's not, we can't, we can't go on like this. We have Mm. to, We have to, I have to educate myself. I have to dive deeper. I have to dig more. I have to talk to more people. Yeah. Um, We engaged with a consultant and that's how we compiled the list of 20 plus genders. Nice. That's that's an example. Yeah. Yeah. So what about like, okay, so yeah, you, you, that's such a good example. And like talking about DNI, obviously in such a like delicate space that, that you operate in, like obviously there's going to be massive learning curves like that whereby people will get upset and it's really good that you've gone about it yourself to, to, to kind of like go into the, go back to the user and, and really focus in. But I wondered like on the workforce side of things, has that been mm. something that you've consciously done as well? Because it's one thing getting user feedback, but the team actually building the product, have you got like initiatives around DNI to ensure that you have a diverse workforce? And is that important for filling some of those blind spots? Like for example, when you made the decision about changing trans to beyond, like, do mm. you think were you to have a diverse workforce that, that, might not have happened or like talk to me about that definitely definitely um so yeah we have a um dni committee right we started um in the team it's uh, participation is um completely voluntary and it's all people from across the organization who are passionate about this who um mm. work with us we engaged in like we constantly have these initiatives across the organization um everyone in the company has uh, gone through a course around um biases we have uh, workshops with an organization called pocc Mm -hmm. Um, they're amazing and they just they help teams and individuals in teams kind of uncover any assumptions that exist in the company and uh, challenge them between each other and as the company has grown i've definitely seen how the the addition of people with new and different perspectives has completely transformed how we approach product how we approach operations so it's um I don't want to give examples because we're a small team. So if I give an example, you could probably find who I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but there have been numerous cases where uh, a person from the team um, would raise something about our product and we would change it um, before we ship a feature. Or someone would come up with an idea for a feature because of their personal experience or because of their friend's personal experience yeah. or their community. Um, and it's... It's been absolutely crucial for us to have as diverse perspectives as possible. Mm -hmm. One of the ways we ensure diversity and um, 
equity really internally yeah. is we've always had a fully transparent salary formula. Okay, good. So everyone can see what everyone else gets. And there is a calculator that is uses input from a lot of different places to um, come up with the amount that people get. And there is a transparent um, guide in terms of how you can get to a certain salary if you wanted to. So there mm-hmm. are levels, there are steps, and there is a formula, as I said, in this like um, <clears throat> really advanced sheet that, mm-hmm. um, that our finance team put together where you can like explore what's possible and then you can talk to people, to your manager in the company to understand how you can get there. Mm-hmm. We also do these... Um, reviews across the organization and we ask everyone to go through a short like check self-check before engaging in reviews to make sure that you don't give feedback because of any bias against that person sure you don't use words like uh, i don't know they're not i don't know sometimes you can assign qualities to people that don't actually affect their work yeah uh, or the quality of their work so we're very proactive around those things um one of the biggest difficulties we have is recruiting yeah so i mean it's just so hard but in terms of reaching create like having a diverse pool you yeah it's know it yourself as well is yeah. just so difficult because you have um, positive action and positive discrimination when it comes to recruitment and unless you have a business case for what the reason behind why you need to hire a specific group in order to equal out the level in your company Mm. then that becomes an illegal act so yeah yeah, it's it's really really hard yeah it's it's hard because also you're rushing you can't especially right now when we're growing we have um we have plans and a lot of them depend on um, key roles being filled. And it's just every time I speak to a candidate, I'm, let's say I'm impressed by someone. Yeah. But they are, they have the exact same experience as the previous candidate. Let's mm-hmm. say one is better, but mm-hmm. in terms of the perspective um, and their identity and all that, it's just, it all fits in a, it follows the same, pro, it follows the same, um, I don't know. This is the same type. Yeah, same person. And I don't, like, this is what we were talking to uh, some people in my team. I don't want to say no to our top candidates just because they're all, um, they're all men. They're all within the same age group and they all had similar experiences. But that's the candidate pool. It's it's a a grassroots issue. It's Mm -hmm. to do with like it, you can do you can do as much as you could physically can on employer brand on like all of that stuff whereby you can t- show the world that you're the most inclusive safe place for people to be but sometimes especially in tech there are just more white men and mm. that due that's due to that's due to education that's due to how people write job specs that's due to everything but it's it's really hard especially at the moment 
um, because there are so many jobs and so few people around. So it's making that decision between is the diversity piece enough to warrant the fact that I've got this really good candidate right here that I can hire. But I think nine times out of 10 it is because at the end of the day, a diverse um, a diverse workforce makes for better products. Like there is factual evidence to prove that if you put the work into having diversity in your company, it will be more successful because you're working among a group of people who are a representative of the people that you're targeting in the world. So it's really hard. It's a battle. Trust me, I'm facing it at the moment with so many yeah. of my clients. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And one of the things that I, I don't know, it was, I don't know why I thought it, but I was like, okay, when we once we have this DNI committee and we do all this work, people will just come to us or we'll just find the people yeah. and we'll be even more diverse. And it doesn't work that way. Yeah. And one of the things that we've um, been talking about is um, like one of the teams we've struggled with the most in terms of diversity was our engineering team. And Typical. It's always the way. Yeah. And what we found there was after we hit an amount of people that we needed at key roles, we started opening up junior positions. Yeah. Which allowed us to really diversify yeah. the candidates we get because we can coach and we can train yeah. people who didn't have the privilege to go through yeah. that very defined career path that exactly. um, most people do. And, but, you know, if you have to do it for every team, it would mean that we need to grow each team beyond a certain amount of people. Yeah. And that would be hard. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of work that we're doing. There's a lot more work to be done. Mm. But when we started the DNI committee, our leadership team was predominantly male and, mm. Right now we're fifty percent women. Well so done. this is like in the in the span of just over half a year. Mm. Um, so so it works, but it takes time and it takes effort and it takes a lot of awareness. It's worth it. It's worth it. You should be Absolutely. proud of the work you're doing. You should be proud of it. Like it's it's a lot more than a lot of businesses are doing. And I think obviously because your company, well, you're not that you're not that young now, I suppose, are you? How long have you guys been going since? Uh, probably six years now. Okay, so you're still quite young. I think especially when you're going through this period of hyper growth, you have the option to either do it the easy way or the right way. And it sounds like you guys are doing your absolute best to do it the right way, um, which is really nice to hear. It's really exciting. Um, I'm going to move on from the DNI piece for now um, mm -hmm. because there's just another point that I want to touch on that we're running out of time. It's so sad. Um, but I, I have spoken to a lot of people who have said that mentorship is key. And you've also just touched on how like you're more willing to bring in junior candidates and train them up when it comes to like, in, in, like encouraging diversity. Um, did you have a mentor? Have you been a mentor? What's the value of mentorship? Like talk me through that. Mm. Yeah, I think mentorship is very impactful, mm -hmm. but I also think that it's something you have to find a format. It, you have to find a format that works for you. Yeah. Uh, my mentors have been um, changing over the years. So initially a lot of my colleagues were my mentors because they were more experienced than me yeah. um, in field as well. I consider Demo my mentor on a lot of topics. Um, but now that he doesn't work, you know, so hands-on in field, I like I can't look up to him in the same way. 
Mm. But there are other people in the company who joined that I could uh, have that relationship with. Even though I'm the CEO, they work <laughs> under me, but I could seek mentorship from them. Yeah, of course. Experience. Um, and I had a, like a more formal agreement with an advisor that was super helpful because it, you have someone to go and vent to with all the problems you have. Yeah. They will be able to guide you. Mm-hmm. But all of these people that I'm talking about as mentors are men for me. Yeah. So I've never actually, and this is the only female mentor I've ever had who's had a massive impact on my life and career is my mom. Yeah. Uh, Same. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Power moms. Yeah, go on, mom. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I've never, like, I've never actually met a woman who is so, you know, inspiring and would like to mentor me. Yeah. I, I know about such women, but they're just out of my reach right now. Well, yeah. maybe not not for long. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe not after this podcast. We've got maybe, a big, we've, maybe. we've got a big female uh, listener base. So hopefully, um, listen, everyone, Anna is looking for a mentor. So reach <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that. That's that's one thing that I've I've never. I've never stumbled upon, at least, uh, yeah. a woman who is willing to be a mentor. And I also feel inspired by and motivated by. Um, and I've, I'm currently mentoring in um, in this tool. I don't know if we should, if it's okay to mention different platforms and brands, but there is this um, service which allows people to sign up as mentors and for companies to... Um, like pay packages to get access to mentors yeah um and you mentor for free there because the idea is that you're kind of my idea at least was i'm giving back to my community to the product community Mm -hmm. and i've had um i've had a few successes with a lot with a few people um and some we just don't click so (laughs) after the first session we're like oh fair enough but it's it's wonderful. I think it takes an act of opening, an act of uh, wanting to serve, to share, and to um, uplift and empower. Um, and I'm actually curious if I will ever be able to meet a woman that um, can be my mentor. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, going back to your podcast announcement. Yeah. Anyone, anyone Female to- leaders. <laughs> I can reach out to all the people I've had on the podcast and put you all in a group email chain and you can all mentor each other. <laughs> um, so look, let's close this off. Like I've absolutely loved chatting with you. You're, you're doing such good work. The app itself is going to absolutely explode over the next few years as I'm sure you're, you're feeling, <laughs> feeling the pressure of. Um, but yeah, the, the final closing point, if there's one piece of advice you would give to a woman starting out in product, what advice would you give? Uh, <laughs> one advice. One advice. Take care of yourself. Yeah. Be your own fan. No one, you, no one needs to be your fan but you yeah that is all you need so all you need is for you to accept who you are what you got and to work with it um and to grow it in the way that works for you makes you feel good and happy nothing else nothing else matters if 
do that, everything else is just going to follow along in this beautiful line of, uh, I don't know, serendipity and um, like the halo effect of you doing something good for yourself. Well, thank you so much, Anna. Thank you so much. jumping on at the end to say thank you for coming back thank you for listening all the way through um i appreciate your support no end um keep your eyes peeled for the next episode because it will be coming soon you can get me on linkedin as well if you ever have any questions or absolutely please reach out if you'd love to be a contributor because i'm always looking for amazing women to chat with 